Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Well, hi again. My name is Gene. I'm part of the team here at Restore. And uh, uh, we are in week number one of our Christmas series, and we've entitled it Fear Not. Fear Not. This is the second Sunday of Advent, this time in the, the church calendar when we pause and we wait and we listen for what God is doing around us, in us, as we await this arrival of King Jesus. This morning, as we step into this brand new series, the question in front of us is, what are you scared of? What are you afraid of? Part of the human experience is that we are afraid of things. We get scared of things. The problem is, is when fear becomes our constant companion, when we know nothing other than fear, when we are filled with fear that grips us and keeps us in bondage. Fear keeps us from stepping in when it seems easier to step out. Fear keeps us from stepping in when it's easier to step out. Fear keeps us from believing in the good that God has created for us since the beginning of time. And I believe fear is ultimately the culprit in a life that is lived in the shadow of its potential. Think about that for a minute. What is your potential? And what is keeping you from stepping into that place to achieve the potential that is in you? I'd venture to guess that if you thought very long about that, there are specific fears that you have allowed to come in and dictate how you will live. My very real fears as a teenager and into my early 20s were named... Uh, trust and obedience and surrender. Surrender, trust, and obedience. Those were the, the three fears that I can tell you the name of right now because they're still on the peripheral. They're not front and center anymore. But as a teenager, what happens if I surrender my life to Jesus? What happens if I say, yeah, here I am. Do with me what you will. What if I say, all right, God, I trust you with my life. And what in the world is he going to require of me when I say that? Obedience, surrender, and trust. I mean, what would it mean for my future? If I fully trusted Jesus, what would be asked of me? Am I willing to ask the questions and entertain the doubts? 
give my all to pursuing a future of who knows what. What is God calling me to? And how do I step into obedience with this fear that has paralyzed me? What happens to you when pain, when, when fear paralyzes you? Isn't it true that often when we're paralyzed by fear, we defer to, uh, obedience to some other time? We fear the repercussions of our obedience. Don't you? Like, I'm like, if I obey, if I do what you're calling me to do right now, I'm going to look foolish. Like, what if I fail? And no one, no one likes to look foolish. Will my relationships change if I step into obedience and surrender and trust? And I can tell you that when I did, they did. There's no two ways about it. Circumstances dictate that when you step into surrender, when you step into trust, when you step into obedience, life changes, relationships change. Ultimately, as a young teenager, mid-20s, the question that would come at me would be, what will become of me if I surrender, if I trust, if I obey? Why are we afraid of God's plans? I mean, the Bible, I don't know if this is true or not, but some people that have done a lot of research say that the Bible has the words fear not or be not afraid, that sort of verbiage, appears 365 times throughout the course of the Bible, which means that you have a fear not for every single day of the year. I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounds good. So why are we afraid of God's plans? Why do we entertain all the what ifs? I would, I would suggest that maybe, just maybe, it is because God's purposes appear as interruptions and are often inconvenient and they are different from our plans. See, the main characters in the story of Christ coming to earth all had their moments of fear and trembling, moments when they were so gripped with fear that to die and be swallowed up by the earth would have been preferable. But the move toward overcoming their fear and believing God instead of the lies perpetuated by the fear was the supernatural courage that you and I have as well. But it took supernatural courage to, to bring about the purposes of God in their lives. Let's turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And beginning with verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... Elizabeth was pregnant with uh, John, who would later become John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus. Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. All right, there's only two angels named in the Bible that I can find, and those are Gabriel and Michael. Gabriel comes to Nazareth, a little podunk village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Mary was, by all accounts, early teenager. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. All right, so she's engaged. So she is betrothed. She is promised to. An arranged marriage has just, arranged engagement has happened. An arranged marriage will happen at some point in time. 
but she's very young, middle schooler. And Gabriel appears to her and says, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Have you ever seen an angel? Yeah, me either. I'll not wait for your answer because most of us don't know that we have. We may have. But I imagine that Gabriel coming to the Virgin Mary was a disturbing sight. Scriptures, verse 29 says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. I love that he starts the conversation with saying, favored. You are favored. The angel showing up and talking to Mary was a huge inconvenience. What a big interruption this was. Mary could have stepped back and said, yeah, I'm not, your one. I, I'm not the one. I imagine she thought about saying that. I imagine she thought about a whole lot of things in that moment. You know, what we call an, inv- an interruption is often an invitation. We think that God stepping into our day-to-day life is an interruption, but what if it's an invitation? Think about Moses. God shows up, Moses just minding his own business, herding some sheep. God shows up in a burning bush, interrupts Moses because he has a higher, better plan for Moses. He has a plan that Moses would become a deliverer. God interrupts him, invites him to become a deliverer of his people. Jonah was taking a swim, and God interrupted him and swallowed him, had a fish swallow him up because he had a greater, higher purpose for Jonah other than just running away from God. God redirected his life, gave him a higher, better purpose, and called him to go speak to the people of Nineveh, bring the good news to the people that needed it. Saul was interrupted by a bolt of lightning. Jesus himself appears to Saul. He interrupts him on the road toward killing more of the disciples of Jesus. Maybe you've been interrupted this week. Maybe the interruption was, hey, why don't you come to restore to church with me this morning? Maybe that was the interruption that happened in your life. And now you find yourself here today. What if you allow God to interrupt you long enough, to prompt you long enough to say, yeah, I gotta call that friend, I gotta go visit that friend. The interesting thing is that when we step into those places that we might have fear that rises up, like I can't possibly do that. When I first started as a pastor, when I first became a pastor, One of the things I said in my first role was I do not want, actually it's my second role, I said I don't want to be the guy that has to go to the hospital and visit people. Like don't make me do that. It's uncomfortable. I have, I didn't say it, but I had fear about going to the hospital. And guess what? I had to do. I had to go visit people in the hospital. And the interesting thing happened to me the gifts and talents and, and spiritual gifts that God placed within me, guess what one of those really turned out to be? Like I found out that God had equipped me to connect with people in their place, especially in their place of hurt, 
in their place, in their time of feeling insecure, in their time of, of feeling like there is no way out. I don't know what the next thing is. I sat with people who were dying. These are things I never in my life thought I would have any interest or ability to do. And yet God interrupted my life to the degree that I found out, well, I'm actually pretty good at that part of my role. I can connect with people pretty well. He's given me a compassion and an empathy for people that I was able to use in those circumstances and continue to this day. But, but it took, it took obedience, trust, surrender, those things that had plagued me. It took putting those aside and saying, no, no, no. The fear of those three things is not going to have me. I'm gonna step outside of that. So here's Mary. She's been interrupted very dramatically. And in verse 30, the angel says to her, fear not. Fear not, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You've found favor. This is the second time he starts the conversation saying she's favored. Now he repeats it again. Like It's like he really wants her to know that God's favor is on her. I believe you all this morning, especially a few of you, God, you need to know that God's favor is on you. What does that mean? What does it mean when God's favor is on you? In the Greek, the word is uh, charis. And the word means uh, grace and kindness. Grace and kindness. God's grace and kindness is on you. His favor is on you. And I don't know about you, but if God's handing out favor, I'm like in line. I want some of that. And Mary, Mary, this young teenager, believed God for the word of favor. She believed God for this word of favor, this grace and kindness. If you spend any time in scripture, you'll find ordinary people who God chose to get up close and personal with. And then guess what? He used them in powerful ways. Clearly giving them an anointing and a protection and extraordinary blessing. I'm reminded of 2 Chronicles 16.9 when the scripture tells us that for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Guys, if you want to be in the favor of God, if you want to experience the grace and kindness of God, it behooves us to be committed He's looking for a few committed, surrendered hearts so that he can pour his favor on those individuals. The angel says, you are favored twice. Mary, do you hear this? I want you to know that you are favored. And then he brings it home. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will set, give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Can you imagine what Mary was thinking in that moment? This story never gets old to me because it is so human. It is so one of us. 
I would believe that Mary must have thought, if I'm favored, then why is this interruption so severe? Why are the consequences so dramatic? Why is this happening to me? Mary wasn't in a big metropolis where she could hide. She was in a little village. So what are the people going to say? There are no phones. There is no social media. There are no TVs. There's nothing modern about this place. It is one-on-one. I'm walking down the street. Hi, Mary. How you doing? Mary's gaining weight. It's that sort of thing. Did you see Mary? I wonder what's going on with her. What's Joseph going to say? She's going to get married to Joseph. Mary asked the angel, are you serious? Now she says, but how can this happen? But that's the tone I imagine. Are you serious? How can this happen? I'm a virgin. It's like she's saying, it's not just impossible. This is an absurdity. It's sort of like, as my son Cody would tell you, that if I was to take up golf and assume that next year at this time, I will win the, go- the, the U.S. Open. Like it's about that impossible and that absurd. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you are thinking about this and you're saying, yeah, How is this possible? How is my marriage going to survive? How is this possible, God? You know the place that we're at. How is my marriage going to survive? How am I going to heal from these emotional wounds that I have had all of my life? How does this healing happen? How do I pay the bills? How to survive? How do I survive the storm that I am in right now? And the beautiful words of the angel came as follows to Mary and to us this morning. The angel replied in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And here's the clincher. For the word of God will never fail. Some translations say, for nothing is impossible with God. What is the fear that you're addressing in your life right now? What's the fear that is is keeping you from stepping into the places that you know you need to go? Nothing is impossible with God. And so when you ask, can, can God, God, can you change my spouse? Yeah, he can, but you can't. So stop trying to change your spouse. God can do the work. Probably the better question is, can God change you? Can God change you? Can you all heal your loved ones? God can heal your loved ones. Can you save those people that you're in school with or in your business that are working with you? 
that have not named the name of Jesus as their hope and their salvation, can you save them? No. But God can because with God, nothing is impossible. What is God asking you to do? What is God asking you to believe? Some of you need to start something. Some of you right now, you know you need to start something. There's a business to start. There's a ministry to start. And you have capitulated to the fear inside of you and have said, no, not right now. And I would suggest to you that you really ought to seek God about that because maybe now is the time for you to start something. Some of you need to to go. You need to go somewhere. You need to step into the next thing. You need to have the courage to go. Some of you need to reach out to someone, someone that has been waiting for you to come alongside them and you have capitulated to the fear once again and said, no, not, not, not right now, not right now. Some of you need to reach out. Some of you need to break something. What do you need to break? Maybe you need to break up with somebody. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to get into right relationship with God and your fellow man. Fear not. Fear not, God says to us this morning. In verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. I love this. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. You know what Mary did in that moment? Mary responded with verbiage that says, I know who I am. And I know whose I am. And because of that, may everything that you've just said come true in my life. I'm believing and removing the fear that I have felt. Would you stand with me? Her response reminds me of the Apostle Paul, the writer of much of the New Testament. I spoke about Saul earlier being interrupted by this bolt of light, Jesus presenting himself to Saul. Saul and Paul, the same person. But when Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses, verse 7, He reminds Timothy of who he is. And he reminds Timothy, just as we remind each other this morning again, that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Some translations would say of a sound mind. You've got power and not timidity in you. You are filled with love and self-discipline when you align yourself with the Spirit of God. See, fear is the opposite of faith. Now, some would say fear is the absence of faith, but I actually think that fear is faith in something other than what it should be. 
We always have faith in something. Let's just not have faith in the wrong things. When we submit to fear, we live with faith in fear. So what is the impossible that is in front of you right now? What are you facing right now that feels especially impossible? What is it that grips you with fear at the thought of stepping into what you know God is calling you to do? The word for you this morning is fear not. Fear not. Father, in this house this morning and for those online, God, I believe that there are many of us that have kept ourselves on the sidelines because of fear. So God, even in this moment, I speak life and blessing over all of my friends in this space. And I believe, God, that even right now, you are calling them to their next thing. I speak courage over them. May they know the power that is in them because of your spirit at work in them even right now. May they know the blessing of doing the hard things. Breaking something, trying something, stepping out. God, I know even in this space right now, even for all of those online, God, I know that there are people who have got great potential inside of them that have decided that they are not worthy of this next step. They are, they are gripped with fear. So in the name of Jesus, I break that grip of fear over your hearts, over your lives. I speak grace and freedom over you. May you know the power the anointing of Jesus that comes on you. It's, imis- it's not any mistake that you're here this morning and getting this word. God is calling us to action. He is not calling us to the sidelines. He is calling his people to step forward, to step in when it's easier to step out. We have got to step in if we're going to see the change that God is calling for in this time, in this region, in this time in history. He wants to do something in you that you have not even imagined yet. The purposes for your life, the purposes for your life are more than you could ever ask or imagine. Will you believe that? Or will you continue to live in fear? That's the question before you this morning. Will you step forward with confidence, knowing that in and of yourself, it is impossible for you to make the changes that need to be made? But full surrender, full trust, full obedience will get you there. So God, I speak courage and blessing over each one in the room this morning. May they know your presence in really beautiful ways this week. May you anoint their lips for every conversation that they'll have. Let them be people of hope. Let them be people of joy. And let them be people of faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen.
Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.